Alright, lah. Wayne Rooney here. Tonight's episode of the AFTN Soccer Show is going to contain strong language again. Again. Every fucking episode. Every fucking episode. They've got this strong language. So, if you're offended by that language, calm down, eh? Calm down. Calm down. And tune in next week. It'll probably be the same. More fucking language every fucking week. Anyway, for those not offended, this is the AFTN Soccer Show. La. Previously on AFTN. For the bid of the 2006 World Cup. Which doesn't surprise me. I'm pretty sure it's happened for years yeah. and just no one's bothered. And, and they've attempted to prosecute this previously, but they, 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 it was always dismissed on lack of evidence. They feel like they got enough evidence this time. I, I just feel anyone that attended that World Cup is also compliant, if you're listening, Zach. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the <laughs> AFTN Soccer Show. There's still time. Oh man! CITR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I am Michael McCall. I'm Steve Hadley, <laughs> and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. For some reason, Steve's mic was in the air. I, I don't like, know what was going like on Like he there. just didn't care. Yeah, th- thanks as well to Mr. Wayne Rooney for, for doing the introduction there. I mean, he I, was in such demand after the game yesterday, but to take time out to record that for us, I, I, I truly appreciate that. I don't think I saw your tweet until this morning. <laughs> yes. And I don't think people fully understood what you... No. Every fucking game. He, he has a bit of a potty mouth, does Mr. Wayne Rooney. The fourth official heard about it. Yeah. I'd, as I tweeted out, if anyone didn't see it, would he kiss his granny or anyone else's <laughs> granny with that mouth? I, I, I was appalled. Are you going to explain that to people? But I, I think the music and the playing, I, maybe. I, I, I think they just Google it. Yeah, just, just Google. Wait, Wayne Rooney and granny? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good enough. Um, it's eye-opening. Oh, man. Uh, oh, what was he complaining about? What, is, what well, happens every week? He said we'll hear about game, it. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll play okay. what he said, but he, basically... Uh, he gets kicked off the park. Oh, every right, week. He gets right. no protection. 
But I don't and remember it's like, him, I mean, he's been around. He needs protection. I, I don't remember him getting fouled that much. Though. That's the thing. Felipe yeah. was getting kicked off yeah. the park. Rightly so. <laughs> he's done it to other folk. Just payback time. But also, Ben Olsen was complaining that there was a lot of handballs that weren't given. And again, I didn't see that either. No. I think it was a lot of balls, in the, a hand of balls. Yeah. Anyway. Who cares? The Whitecaps expect- won a game. I honestly didn't expect that gesture from uh, Zach. I know, Zach, Zach's on, on form tonight. No, I was- the one night we choose to video it, <laughs> he's grabbing at his crotch. No. I was going to let the listeners you know, think what they Oh, I'll, I'll <laughs> cut that out posting. No, we're going to be totally unedited tonight. Everything that we say stays in the show. No, no, no. What? <laughs> I, I don't feel comfortable with... Not, I'm not worried about what I'm going to say. Zach's got a bit of a cough tonight, so he, he might be spewing his guts up or something halfway during the show. I don't know. I put it down to the excitement that the Whitecaps won their second game in three weeks. Their first game at home since May 25th. 85 days since the last home win. Incredible. It's a rare occurrence we're getting to talk about another win. It's felt such a long time I know Cincinnati, but like since we beat a proper team. Not one of those expansion kind of people. So we get to chat about that, but we're not going to delve too much into it because there's an awful lot to get into in tonight's show. We've got some some good chats coming up. We've got a nice debate about some Whitecaps news this week and lots and lots of other stuff to talk about. But yet the Whitecaps made it two wins and three. Seven points from the last four matches. 1-0 win over DC United at BC Place on Saturday night. It was a game that, for me, I left it feeling quite encouraged. I I genuinely felt it was one of the, the best all-round team performances of the season. The defence played well, the midfield played well, the attack had some kind of life about it. DC talked after the game about coming to face a team that likes to defend and, and the challenges that, that that provides, but I think MDS got his tactics spot on here. And this formation that they've now gone with for the last couple of games and the same team for for two weeks running, just everything just seemed to click. I, I agree with you in the sense of it worked well to get the result. Yeah, it maybe wasn't an exciting edge of the seat performance. That was what I was yeah. going to ask you. Like, it's still not the the football I think that MDS longs for. No, and I and that people and probably I said I don't care. No, I know, Three points, I, I know, and that's uh, playoff dream still alive. We could win out. Who's, 48 points we can end up with. Yeah, DC. DC will probably make the playoffs, you're right. Hmm? <laughs> I don't know. They've got a tough set of games coming up. Lots of travel involved. That's something we'll be talking about in the show. MDS went with the same lineup that were unfortunate to, to lose in Portland. We You weren't here last week because you were, you were coming back from that. So I just briefly to touch on that with you. I saw some still photos this week when I was at training. And... They showed that Reyna was onside for that goal of his that was called out. He was a step onside. And the Portland third goal was offside. So yeah, for me, two-all draw, retrospectively, we give ourselves a point. I'd say so at the end of the year, for sure. It's like an ultra-clean point. Well, there's, a, there's a number of points that we could have gotten based on the decisions that yeah. were made. You could make. And no, then but, but the Manuel thing- Veth said that someone came out and said, that, yeah, we got that decision wrong this week. I haven't been able to find that, but... Well, if that, if that is the case, the it's is, another admission that's cost the Whitecaps. The thing is, offside, I, I'm just tired of the way they call offside. I think it, it was meant to be 
like for people that are like like I don't know what they say in England, but cherry picking. You know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Cherry, like they're basically like hanging out there. That's what the main thing. If they're gonna do it by you know appendages being over the line, it's lucky that Terry Dunfield wasn't a striker because oh, yeah. he'd be offside all the time. And Lukaku as well. Yeah. I mean, he must have really struggled to stay onside. I I saw mm. Terry Dunfield the other other week at a fancy dress party. Came as a petrol pump. By the way, Portland, you were down for that. How how was that experience for you? How did you feel leaving that game? Uh, the only two things I'll say about Portland are it was good to hang out with people in Portland. It's all like good friends, old friends. It's always good to travel. Uh, so that was amazing. And the second great thing was watching Christine Sinclair play football. Yes, you missed that our was... show to watch women's football. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the look on your face. Um, no, that was amazing. Dude, not even Vancouver women's football. She's from Burnaby. What, not Vancouver. <laughs> um, she. Uh, it was crazy. It was a record-setting crowd. Oh, what was did that? you hear? Twenty-five. Yeah. Twenty-five thousand was like the highest in the. Oh, thousand. Yeah. <laughs> it was the it was the record-setting crowd in NWSL history. Wow. Well, we'll be seeing those games soon on TSN. Yes, that's great. Yeah. It'll probably be Portland Thorns every week. Will be every week. <laughs> yeah, he is Christine Sinclair yet again. Let's move on from Portland. Let's yeah. move on to the happier win against DC. And it all came. Jordi Reyna, that goal was chopped off last week, but he got another one this week. And as Russell Tybert said after the game, just give him the ball and he's going to score. <laughs> Hasn't worked out for a lot of this season, but it did yesterday. With a goal that you have to say, yes, he was probably complaining that he was shielded, but for me, Bill Hamid has oh, to do better there. Yeah. There was a slight deflection too on the yeah. shot, but still even his, on your right. His arms just didn't come yeah. out. The uh, keeper the quality of Bill Hamid will not be uh, pleased with that. And uh, it be, could be being a costly, by... costly loss of points as well for them yeah. from the end of the season. Yeah, oh, t- I mean, when you're when you're playing the, the cellar dwellers of the opposite conference, you it doesn't matter if it's home or away, you need to take those points. And it was a strong team they had out as well. Yeah. But, uh, Good, good build-up. It was a, a, one of the best build-up goals team-wise from the whole year. Rusty powering forward. His second assist in a couple of games that was set up with a back pass. That was a point that Steve noted. Yeah. But hey, if he can't pass it forward, pass it back to Reyna, bang, in the back of the net. DC had their chances. Yeah, they sure did. The caps on the second half easily could have had a second or a third. Yeah, the crossbar. Derek Cornelius' oh, header yeah. was fantastic. And it was a great save by him. He yeah. made, up, made up for it there. He showed his class there. Rain as well. Another great strike that rattled off the crossbar. We had some fancy trickery from Theo Bear in the wing as well. Yeah. A lot of folk obviously came to, to see Wayne Rooney. First two minutes, he looked good. After that... I was talking to someone today and they were saying, well, he, he did control, he sprayed the ball about well in the middle and stuff like that, but that's not really what you're expecting yeah. from Wayne Rooney. Well, he missed some chances. He missed some chances, <laughs> he didn't really threaten. DC peppered the shots in, but you have to give full credit to the Whitecaps because they didn't let these shots get onto target. Well, Plus mi- some of the DC shooting didn't let yeah. them get on target. He, he missed He missed from open play, he missed from free kicks, yeah, he- it's like he didn't bring a shooting boost yeah. to Vancouver. But it was a good one. I felt happy with it. I saw some promising signs from it. And I want to play a little bit of audio now from Mark DeSantos. Just talking about what has been behind this turnaround. Because he he hasn't wasn't able to put his finger on what had gone wrong in this little slump. Does he know what's brought them out of it? Let, let's hear what he had to say. 
So, Mark, we, we've talked a lot over the last few weeks about you didn't really know what had led to the, the team being in a bit of a slump, couldn't put your finger on it. What's led to the turnaround that's now got them out of it? Yeah, the last game. I, I The Calgary game, it's still hard on me, you know? It is. I, I wanted this team to... I felt if we made some moves in July that didn't happen unfortunately and we would play the semi-final of the Canadian Championship I felt we would get a second win sometime uh, somewhere and it was hard it was hard mentally um, nothing I think we had a couple of conversations you don't have one you have a couple of conversation with groups with players between us and then you need results right because results build confidence and results build uh, build everything. Uh, in the last four games, I think the last four games, you know, going to Minnesota and getting a result, um, winning in Cincinnati, then, okay, in Portland, we didn't feel bad about ourselves. We said we were disappointed with the loss, but we felt that we would, uh, we would continue growing, you know. And today, I think the... Today, it was what I told the players before the game is even if many people come to see uh, Rooney, um, the, the sum of our parts uh, have to, to be the difference maker. And I think that today in every facet of the game and everything we did, there was such a commitment from everyone. Um, and I'm proud of that. No sign of this team giving up. There was, there's no sign of this team giving up. And I saw it in training during the week uh, when I was asked about it. I felt there's no sign. We don't see a sign of guys head down and, and giving up. And we're going to keep going until it's possible. We won't give up. No one's really expecting the team to, to make the playoffs now. Is that maybe taking some of the pressure off them? They're playing a little bit freer because of that? No, we... we, we we're going to be sad if the day comes that we don't make the playoffs. So we're playing with the, the mentality and the intensity. Until it's possible, we're going to fight. That's how we're playing right now. So they're going to fight to the end until the playoffs are mathematically impossible. And that's good to see. These coming weeks, it's about getting the shape right, getting some chemistry going, getting a style of play going, getting some kind of philosophy Obviously, a lot of these players might not be here next year and it's kind of hard to maybe build, as we've talked about so much, what Mark wants to do by not having the right players. But, I mean, no one knew what led to the slump and it's it's strange to see what has got us out of it. Even the loss in Portland, we played not bad and it's, it's good to see. What, what do you put this turnaround down to? Is it? I, I do feel there's some pressure off them now because they, no one's expecting them to do anything. Yeah, no, I thought your headline would read something like President Out Brings Win, something like, something like that. You think they were celebrating Bobby? <laughs> mm. No, but this has kind of been working since the Minnesota. I think because they hit rock bottom against the Cavalry. Uh, uh, and then the next, I think the next game was against Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken. And they kind of just kept building off that and kept getting better and better. And like we said last week, I thought Portland game was actually better than the Cincinnati win. The Portland loss, I thought they played better than that. And this was another one where they kind of showed cohesion. They kind of, there was uh, more confidence in the team. In the first half, there was a couple breakdowns, but overall there was better, you know, they showed more on the pitch. Yeah, and I, I, I 
don't want to be seen to be quoting Charles Manson every week, but <laughs> as he rightly said, when you get to the bottom, you go back to the top of the slide, and that's exactly what the, the Whitecaps have done. Some other quick notes from the game. Tosant Ricketts made his debut, and he showed glimpses of what he's going to bring yeah. to this team. Looked nice lively. burst of pace, lively. Mm-hmm. We know he's going to score. We didn't get a chance to ask you last week what you thought of that, but you must be pleased with a, another Canadian here and a guy that I, I described it as a great goal scoring record. Thought were like great. I think you've miss misspelled that. He has a really really good borderline great goal scoring record in his career. I think I might have told you this before, but in, in FIFA 19, I brought Tosaint into my Carl Zeiss Jena. Bundesliga three team and he is my leading scorer. He rips it up. He's killing. He almost he's al- almost got us promoted. This a little year. bit of a humble brag. There. He's gonna he's gonna get us promoted this year. But um, no, in all seriousness, like we've talked in the past, one of the things that I, I felt it, that the team was screaming out for was someone with like the pace that he can provide. This kind of breakaway pace. This that to give other players more space to operate in. Yesterday was obviously too small of a time to to fully see that, but I think that's something that he will add to the team in the short term and possibly into next year. Now, though, we have Mark Dos Santos, Philip Dos Santos, and now two Saints. It was meant to happen, I feel. I, I do believe he's the kind of guy, we talked when we were looking at players that were free agents last year, he was a guy I thought, we should really yeah. have had a look at. Uh, the off-season, yeah, yeah, I remember that. He went to Lithuania, got goals there, but the chance to come back here, and I I think he'll do enough to end a contract next year, and he's oh. not going to be one of these guys that's probably going to be a starter, but he is a reliable guy to come off the bench. Come off the bench, and I think he can be a spot starter once yeah. in a while. He's yeah. not going to lose anything. Do you think he'll be like one of those players who like might complain too much or cause problems? I don't or? think so. You don't think so? Okay. I don't think so either, but I just... I think we've got... Had enough of those over the years. I don't think he's going to be one of them. Theo Bear, full of confidence. He had that nice trickery on the sideline, a little bit of almost moonwalking. Michael Jackson with the ball. It was. It was. I, I was like we were. Um, I, I was sitting next to Manuel of, uh, of uh, Pro Soccer, and he has fallen in love with uh, Theo Bear over yes. the last few weeks. Um, and. Uh, he's he's thinking that Theo was going to be going to Europe if people scouts yep, are catching he on. He to Germany. I uh, I uh, really he, appreciate he, Manu. He, and he compared him to the the guy that went to Tottenham. I, I'm now I'm blanking on his name again. That was sold for like 40 million pounds this year. Um, he compared him to him when he came out of Brazil as a Brazilian player. I, I um, I'll find his name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's who he compared him to because. That player was similar size speed guy, yeah. and they feel like German coaches and scouts feel they'll be able to teach him the tactics and get him better as yeah. football players overall. Defense seems to have signed its mojo, as I was saying. I liked what Cornelius brought yesterday. For the mm-hmm. l- last couple of appearances from Cornelius, I think have been excellent. And we've got Kamiri close to being ready to go. He, he's maybe a week and a half away now from the two weeks a month ago. But... <laughs> He's getting closer, but I think Cornelius has done enough to keep his spot, which then, because Mark's liking this 4-3-2-1, Godoy could maybe do with a rest, but he's been doing well again. Beside Cornelius, he's doing well. Henry came on yesterday and Godoy slotted into the right-back role. I don't know whether 
MDS is maybe going to want to look at three in the back, five at the back for some of these remaining games. But you've now got questions being asked of how do you fit these guys into into the defence? And for me, it's just good that they've kind of refined the form that they had yeah. that seemed to have just gone to pot. Really, really happy for Derek. I think he has quality. I think he can be a starter uh, in Vancouver. He can be a starter in MLS and possibly beyond. Um, when 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 Jake went down and Danielle came in, I'm sure there was a lot of people being like, oh, no, please don't put him right yeah. back. Please don't. I said to Steve, oh, he can play right back. We've seen him there before. Not yeah. very well, but we've seen him there before. I, I was mistaken. It's not Tottenham. It's Newcastle. It's uh, Jolitton. Jo- jo- oh, Jolitton from yeah. Uh, Hoffenheim. Yeah, so th- yeah, he yeah. compared him to him size-wise, yeah. speed-wise, yeah, everything yeah. like that. There was a good crowd there yesterday. Officially, Officially a 22,000 sellout. 22,120 sellout, yeah. Didn't look no. that many people there. That's sold. Let's take it sold. Yeah, I mean, it looked close to being a full house, but it, it wasn't quite that. Obviously, a lot of people were there to see Wayne Rooney. There were some United kids, I heard. Yes. Yeah. A lot of media. I saw more Everton kids, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? But there was a lot of media there, obviously, to, to speak to Wayne Rooney as well. So they went afterwards. And, I mean, he's an idol of Steve. So we had to send Steve along as the big Man United fan to, to speak to him after the game. Steve's shaking his head there. Let's hear what Mr. Potato Head had to say. I have my opinion on the referees and um, yeah, it's not very good so I feel they need to improve the game um, that's my opinion I feel like I'm entitled to my opinion Many t- I said uh, a couple of weeks ago um, I get kicked the referees do nothing um, all I'm asking for is a bit of protection and it'd be nice if Howard Webb could come to the train ground and um, have a, let, us, let us speak to him over it because I feel it's happening game after game and um, to get some clarification, it'd be nice if Mr. Webb could come down to the train ground and, and speak to us. What kind of challenges did the Whitecaps backline present to you guys today? Yeah, we knew what they'd bring. Um, they sit very deep and they do it well. So fair play to them. Um, they defend deep. Um, they defend the box well. Um, but still, I thought we created some very good chances to score. Um, on another day, we'd score two or three of them chances and win the game. Um, but no, no. All credits to them. We knew that's how they were going to play, and they done it well. You got a couple of tough games this week. Uh, one in uh, against New York, and one in Philadelphia. Both in the top four with you. Uh, how do you assess that going forward? And do you feel like you're going to be able to go like three games in eight days going cross country? Yeah. No, I think um, we know what this week is is going to is going to bring. Um, the travel doesn't help. Obviously, um, it was a very long trip, two flights. Um, maybe um, we should have used one of the, the charter flights to to come here or, or and go back, but that's not how it is. So um, yeah, no, I think um, we'll get ready for New York on Wednesday and um, prepare for it. Previous star players have not come to big this big trip. Was it ever an issue for you, or is just you're just committed to this team going forward? And yeah, no, it's I want to play and. Um, Unfortunately, I had an illness last week, um, which kept me out of the game, and there was no there was no reason for me to not come on this trip um, when fit and available. Um, I'll travel. What you make of the fans, the uh, stadium, and the pitch invader that we saw tonight? I actually didn't see the pitch invader. Um, 
I played the pass and ran to the box and I didn't know why the game was stopped. Is that what it was? Man, you came on everything. I didn't see it, so no, it's, I think it's sad when people run onto the field. Um, it's not good um, for anyone, for the fans or for the players. Um, it stops the game. Um, but no, I think the stadium was very nice, the fans were good, so um, full credit for Vancouver. So what was it like for you having to travel so far to come and play the one game here? Yeah, no, as I said, it's um, it's part of the job, of course, so you, you have to do it, but there's better ways to do it. Um, unfortunately, we didn't take that way, So, but I'm not saying making that as an excuse for the game, but... I feel it's something in the future um, that MLS should look at and um, make it a lot easier for, for the players to prepare for the game. For as much as you created good chances when cutting edge was kind of missing tonight, and that must have been a really frustrating thing, especially when you're trying to get into the most advantageous position in the Eastern Conference playoff-wise, right? I mean, you must be happy you got in those spots, but any concern and things you need to talk about in terms of cutting edge, especially with the busy week you have coming up? No, I think we created some good chances. In fairness, the keeper made some good saves. The defenders blocked um, some shots. So, yeah, no, I think there's a couple of chances we could have done better on. But overall, I thought it was a very good performance. So we, we can't be too down um, on ourselves. If we perform like that in the next few weeks, we'll, we'll get results. Wayne Rooney there talking about the game and the travel and he tweeted this morning he really wasn't happy that it's taken 12 hours to get home should have been six if they'd taken a charter and it it is kind of ridiculous and we're going to talk a little bit about travel and charters when we speak to Zach McMath in, in part three about the the new union deal that's coming up and Ben Olsen talked about it as well but it's kind of crazy that you are a team that is now playing three games in eight days you've got two Really tough games coming up against Eastern Conference opposition that's going to be all about placement. The leaders, Philadelphia and New York Red Bulls. And you don't take a chart or two and from this game. Yeah, that's on the team on this one. Yeah. Because this was the, this would have been even preseason, you would have think this is the charter you want to do. Yeah, yeah. Get the charter, fly home Saturday night. Yeah. Don't keep them here and yeah. fly home. It was 9 a.m. this morning, they flew home. And they obviously get back if they said yeah, twelve hours, and they'll be lucky if they do twelve hours. Yeah. Sometimes you get delays. So and then you've also got the time add another three hours onto it yeah. as well. It's like it's midnight, absolutely crazy. Interesting. Wayne said he he wants Howard Webb to come out yeah. and talk to him at training. That must have been something that happened in Man United days. I'm pretty sure <laughs> Howard Webb was there all the time working out what it was he was going to do for them at the weekend <laughs> to help them out. Doesn't work that way in, in MLS. Oh, it kind of does. Well, you just you just call Don Garber yeah, up and yeah, yeah, he exactly. sorts things out. Different way. Yeah. But Wayne Rooney, he was pulled off yesterday. Oh, a streaker, not a streaker. He had clothes on. It was. I I didn't want to see the Man United top, so to me it was like a streaker. <laughs> but a pitch invader came on. The worst timing, worst timing we've seen on a, a BC Place pitch since Brick Shea was here. Yeah. <laughs> it was horrendous. You probably, you probably didn't even see it, did you, on no. the TV? Oh. He. he He'd ran on the pitch when the ball was at the other end. Two minutes before Rooney Ro- came off. Rooney then had run into the centre. He had nowhere to go. He had no player to go to. And then he just kind of went off limply at the side. And then because he was essentially he had the handcuffs. He was essentially the only play, uh, per, per player. He was the only person on that side of the pitch except for Crepo. There was nobody else around. But well, we were talking beforehand. We said there's going to be a pitch. Where did, the, where, did what's, where did he come out? Did he come out? He of the came end? out of the, the southeast side. 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 
Not not the south end, like not the south side. Kind of that, that kind area. Of was it behind one of those stupid fences they put up? Uh, it might have been in front or before. Yeah. I don't know. It's he hard to tell. Or yeah, we just. But we only knew he'd appeared because Har was like pitch invader, really loud. <laughs> but anyway, was he, that, wait, was that your impersonation of Har? I'm doing. I'm knocking these impersonations like <laughs> the part tonight. I won't try and impersonate the next guy we're going to hear from, Ola Kamara, because my Norwegian accent's not that good. I know you find that shocking to believe, but. Rooney was pulled off. Ola Kamara came on. His first appearance in MLS since his big money move back to DC United. He's a guy that knows the league so well. He's got goals in Columbus. He's got goals in LA. Looking to do it now with DC United. I got a chance to speak to him one-on-one after the match. Let's hear that now. So, Ola, first minutes back on the, the MLS pitch today after the transfer back. How, how did it feel to be back in the league? Uh, of course, it, uh, it felt good to be back. Of course, like, not so happy about the result, yeah. but, I mean, to, to me, it, it was good. Now, the move away and then the move back, did you always feel you were going to come back at some stage? Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the league a lot, you know. Uh, I think it, it's it's fun to play, um, and when it didn't go that well, I wanted this is the league I wanted to go back to, um, and um, even though I had some other options, but this is where I wanted to be, and uh, with the possibility of having a three years contract here too, it made it easy. Was it a culture shock going over to China, or is it just the style of play? No, it's a cool, it's a cool thing, man. I mean. It's a, it's the football is a little bit different. Uh, didn't start off that good, so it ended up like it did. But I mean, it's a cool thing to experience. I think for for players going over there, I mean, it's an experience for life. What happened over there with you? Because you didn't make that many appearances, and as a guy, you've always scored goals everywhere that you've gone. Was it just? I know they've got the limit as how many foreign players they can play and stuff like that. Was that part of it? I feel like it was just bad timing, to be honest. Coming back here then with DC, you've scored goals in Columbus, you've scored goals at LA. DC's running right now, it's really, really tough. Mm -hmm. You look at the games coming up, he's slipping down the standings a little bit with the loss today. What do you feel that you can bring this team? We know you can score, but what do you feel you can bring this team? I think a lot of off-the-ball movements. Uh, I think I can create, maybe come to uh, a lot of chances chances and be dangerous for our team all the time. And... uh, I mean, bringing intensity as well. So hopefully I can contribute with goals, as you're saying, too. So for me, it's just trying to get us into playoff and hopefully spark a run, you know? Yeah, and yeah. you've played by a lot of good players over the years. You're not going to have a lot of time to play with, with Wayne Rooney, but yeah, you've had some good partnerships with other big name stars. What do you think you two can do together for this team? I think the way Rooney plays on the ball, I think he sees those kind of genius passes. So for me to, to be able to play with him for uh, if it, when it's six months, even that, I'm excited for that, you know, like I'm looking forward to it a lot. So so hopefully we can have a good chemistry. Did you get a chance to follow the league much when you went away? I don't know, time I, difference and stuff's <laughs> difficult down there. I, I actually never watched as much MLS as I did when I was Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was no. the time difference like then? Uh, depends. From here, it's probably 15 hours, and uh, yeah, 12 Eastern. Did you notice an evolution in MLS from when you left to like while you were watching it, like the kind of the style of a change, or was it very minimal? I think you, 
LAFC has been dominating even better. You have teams that Atlanta is still good. I mean, it's teams coming in that's very good uh, and starting to. I mean, the culture. I feel like it's more people, it's more noise, more engagement with the, with the crowd, and that's kind of what I saw. And it, of course, you see every year. It's um, players come in and they're better players all the time coming in. So I mean, the league, the level of the league always increases every year. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks Glad so much. to see you back in the league. Thanks. Ola Kamara there. I, I'm glad to see him back in the league, I'll be honest. He is a guy I would have liked to have here. I just think he's a, a great goal scorer. I still think if we had had Kamara and Kamara, Kamara last yeah, year, that would have been, been fantastic. Brilliant. I, if he was wanting to come back, I wish we could have made a play for him. I don't know if he is the kind of player that fits into the system MDS wants, but he gets goals. And yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of his and I'm looking forward to seeing Does he work harder than Ibra? I think he works a lot harder, harder than Ibra, definitely. We're not going to go through our MLS weekend review like we normally do because we've got so much other stuff to talk about this week. But the Caps finished the week still bottom of the West, even though they had the win. Uh, Colorado's dick plagues kind of maybe taking its effect now. Live on points with us now at the bottom. There was a slew of midweek and, and weekend games. It's changed things a little. I think there's only like four or five points now between the, the playoff places and things are still tight. LAFC, though, have already clinched their, their playoff spot. The goats are in. 16 points clear of everyone else. Up the goats. The other noticeable thing is Dallas have fallen out of the playoff spots. And I only fast-forwarded through the, the Portland game tonight, but Atlanta seemed pretty comfortable in, in that victory there. Yeah, they won. Minnesota and RSL are continuing to do well as well, and it, it kind of gives a bit of hope to clubs like Vancouver. I know Minnesota have spent money. But middle-of-the-road clubs, you could maybe describe Minnesota and RSL. I know Minnesota's probably got high aspirations, but if they can do it, we can do it. And maybe we will with the the changes the Whitecaps announced this, this week that's going to be taking place next season. So we'll be back hearing about that and with our Artist of the Month, Edinburgh Rap, which is going to mean swearing, so prepare yourself for that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Burns and Weird there with another track from their Project Old Ricky album available free on Bandcamp just google Project Old Ricky we've had some good feedback on our, our Scottish rap selection from this month I thought that was going to go longer well we've got one more to go 
they're our artists of the month, the, the collective. So naturally, we're going to end it next month with friend of the show and my new Facebook friend, Mad Hat McGore. Uh, we're also going to have a special Edinburgh rap wavelength song next week to round it all off. It's excellent. It's always hard to edit these songs for the radio. If you think the swearing that I leave in is bad, you should hear all the C words that I, I cut out of it. If anyone wants to know what the C word is, it's clack-a-lack-a-dack-dack, is how we'll just refer to it, I think, from, from now on. But yeah, that's that's a staple in all these songs. So They usually come up next Tuesday, yeah. those words. Three of them were cut out from that first minute there that I played of that song. Anyway, you are back listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. Talking of C words, changes. Front office announced some changes this week. I had a few swear words myself when I got the press release announcing that there was going to be an important club announcement and a press conference on Friday, because I couldn't make it along. I was at work, work that actually pays me money, which I have to do, otherwise I'll be homeless, but... It was soon announced what it was going to be because folk were like, oh, what's this big announcement going to be? Is is Latin really coming here? But no, it wasn't that. And for me, in the end, it was a, a bit underwhelming because it was a press conference to announce that they are going to be searching for someone that they should have had in place <laughs> probably nine years ago. But No, they did have someone in place. Yeah. But now they've decided that a search is maybe the best thing for them to, to do. And it's good to announce that. But also, uh, the great leader himself is, is stepping down to a new role. Club liaison. It's more like a sideways step. Is it? Yeah. Uh, it's it's not much of a back... Because I don't... Like, we talked about it before, but I don't know how much he had to do with all this stuff in the first place. Like, I agree that the overall office maybe he ran but he didn't really have much to do with some of the things that people thought he had to do with i mean, I mean we don't you know, know what i mean do yeah. you know, he was more of a liaison I, I totally, or whatever you I want to totally call agree it with that, what's his, what's his well, new title club liaison yeah, club it's liaison. like a, think of a walmart meter greeter like all the older people kind of do that when they they still want to work but they, they can't really but, do anything okay okay part of that is true steve but it's because He's so close with Kerfoot, and Kerfoot is far more hands-on than people understand. Is what I've been keep people keep telling me, and so he was a part of keeping that all together. He yeah. was a part of building the culture that has, in my opinion, not been a, a positive, healthy place to to work. In my opinion, uh, that doesn't come from tw- uh, you know tweets recently about <laughs> about people's you know uh, perceptions on working there. It comes on face-to-face sitting down with people who've worked there and hearing their stories, which some of them are kind of laughable and shocking. Uh, and there are people who worked there who loved it and had great times. But uh, he was a part of, you know, he he set up this culture where in that high, the high-up leadership, this culture of um, s- like sustaining the, sustaining their, their, their presence and their power and anyone who's a threat to them, they got rid of. Uh, Paul Barber's one. Uh, I think in one way, Tommy Sowen. <laughs> sure, maybe. No, 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 it was just no but Paul Barber for sure. In one sense, I've even heard that bef- before uh, things happened publicly to him, that Furlong was not a big fan of him and how they operate, or maybe not him specifically, but how things were operating and and how and how the office functioned. He was like, "What is do you- he still around?" Oh, I don't or know. Is he just like, <clears throat> did they just use him to kind of like bounce things off? And- I I don't know. Um, uh, 
but yeah, Barber's one for sure. Then you look at uh, Richard Grushlauten. I think mm-hmm. uh, you look at the, the the coaches who have had to uh, you know work with them. Uh, I don't think any of them are have would ever say pub- this publicly, but I don't think any of them are impressed with how how that was all set no, up. We've had private chats with a few of them and heard stuff. Well, and some of them publicly have said yeah. things. But, I mean, Bobby was asked, Martin McBran brought the hard questions of, why are you you're not standing down with everything that's happened, all the scandals and stuff? Would this not be a chance for you to stand down? And he said he feels he still has a lot to offer. And he said a lot of what he gets blamed for, it's nothing to do with him. And I, we've just talked about that. I genuinely do believe that, that <clears throat> he is the figurehead. And because he's the one that they keep putting up to speak publicly... He's the one that gets all the flack. But here's like the, he's part of the whole thing. But here's the problem with that, Michael. If that is the truth, and maybe it is, or maybe it's partially the truth, he and they have the opportunity to clear. Someone said this very thing to yeah. me in November. Someone at a director level said, oh, uh, you know, Bobby's not responsible for all the things you think he's responsible for, like the lack of spending, the lack of money, the lack of budgeting or whatever. That's fine. If that's true, then... It needs to be clarified what his roles and responsibility are. If you don't like, yes. if the organization doesn't like, if he doesn't like the flack he's been getting for those things, then you need to clarify it. You need to get in front of that. Well, you need to communicate that. That was part and part. That was one of my favorite bits from the whole press conference because he was talking about he's been forty five years. He's been with the club. He said as a as a player, as a coach, as a. Then there was a pause, and then he's. It's like what does that do? Oh, yeah. I, that's how it came across to me. And I was yeah. like just shortling away when I was watching. So, that. so, so that's inex- You cannot use that as an excuse when you yourself, the organization itself, has the opportunity to clarify yeah. that. And you only do that when you're trying to protect other people or you're trying to protect yourself. Well, that's the thing. I wish I had been there because my follow up question when he said it's nothing to do with me would be, well, who yes. is responsible for this then if it isn't you? Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's the, the 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 cop out of oh it's always been the coach well you're the you're the president yeah because he was stressing I folk think I select the players I don't think that is the biggest accusation that's gone no. on on Bob no, no. but the, the play the coaches the problem with the coaches has not been the players or it's been the limited designated players coaches have been allowed yeah. to bring which he has a seat at the table that determines that he may not be the one who makes the final call because he's not the owner uh, or one of the owners. But he sits yeah, at that the whole football death. Yeah, pile. yeah, he sits on that committee that makes those decisions. You have to own those decisions. Will he still be sitting on it though? If he's not, well, Christian? this this was That's one of this was one of this. Is why I say it's a step sideways. Uh, either he said it, or or Jeff Mallett said Bobby didn't say Bobby because I thought okay, well, you know he'll have to answer this new technical director, and that'll be interesting. Yeah, he he said he will report to the owners. Someone in somewhere in the press conference they said he will report to I the owners. That, then. So if he's not, if he's just reporting to the owners, yeah. then it's just going to keep. This is going to just yeah. keep going and going and going. And and that ties in with when people ask, well, what's happening with Greg and Rachel? <laughs> and they're like, yes. oh no, they're great. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. They're great. They're going to keep going. We're just adding someone. I and, have another layer. Yeah. And so yeah, uh, I agree with you. It was a bit. I mean. Um, we know Mark DeSantos has wanted a technical director since he arrived yes. here, right? Like yeah. he, I mean, he wanted he wanted a scouting department. He wanted a technical director, and they've been pushing this off and pushing this off, saying it's not needed. And now they're now they're I think they're using this like they always do. They're they're being reactionary, and they're saying, okay, we can 
survive a little bit longer by saying, okay, we'll bring that in and we'll we'll see how that well, goes. Yeah. Because they, they didn't, the, they they didn't want to spend season, on it. They saw the season tickets go down yes, in pricing. And, uh, well, yeah, the timing uh, of this yes. is very Oh, the timing is very that, I mean, that was the only thing that was understandable about because this, right? Because you, you genuinely did not need a press conference no. for this. No. That, that's, that's the whole thing. And folk have wanted to get the owners and the front office in front of the media to ask them questions. But because it was tied in with the whole thing to do with the sporting director, that kind of overtook so much yes. of it. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I, I just felt it was a, a bit of a waste of time. It was very underwhelming. I don't, I don't really... I didn't get a lot out of it. No. I and don't know if other folk did, but... And, and, and the fact that they even said, we've been working at this for two or three weeks or whatever, and, and yet... You couldn't give you would the have media hoped months. Well, no. Oh, yeah, you would have hoped there'd yeah. be a heads up yeah. as well. Oh yeah, because I think they've been working it longer. There seemed that, to but be too. a lot of folk did turn up for it, but like JJ Adams was away in Winnipeg. Yeah. I was working. Patrick Johnson couldn't make it. From the I, I get. I guess people have to be thankful that it wasn't a post media only one of the, those kind yeah, of. Yeah, that's very true. Of course, the, the big part of the announcement was that there is going to be a global search for a sporting director. Now. There's so many questions about this. Like, why has it taken so long? Why now? Why is now the right time for it? Where is he really going to fit into the grand scheme of things? I take, I take it he is going to be on the football death panel. So is it just extending it? Or does Bobby move out? Or does he have the final say in players now? The owners it, have the final say? It should be combination it, listen, still? Listen, it should be. What it should be is they give him a budget to say this is how much you have. And that's it. Owners have no, no nothing else to do with that then. That was one of the questions that needed to be asked yesterday yeah. that got lost in this was you told people last year you were going to move back into the upper third of yes. spending. Yeah. You are clearly in the bottom three or whatever it is. Yeah. Why have you not why have you not made good on your promise? Well that was the thing I find from this as well. Now obviously a lot of people weren't at the supporters meeting a year ago. But it was, but it was well advertised what was said. Yes. But so much of what was said then, a year ago, was repeated here, which means we've had 12 months where nothing's, nothing's really happened. happened. So yeah. how can you trust them that in 12 months' time we're going to be saying, wow, it's all been done this time? Well, I, I mean, that, this is the problem. These people have proved themselves untrustworthy in so many different ways over such a long period of time. And, that, and that's why, I, I, this is why I believe, uh, uh, aside from the, the football and the performances, why so many people are so disheartened that they've become disengaged. They've uh, opted out of the auto renewal process uh, and they're no longer attending matches. Yeah. Well, they were yesterday, obviously. Well, no, yesterday they were able to sell their tickets. Yes. Well, that that, (laughs) That probably was more or less. Something we never talked about actually in part one then. Mark touched on it roughly a little bit in the audio we played, but more on when he spoke on the radio as well. Paraphrasing a little bit, but it did sound like he was saying... Look, fans will turn up here to see a big player. If you spend the money, the fans in Vancouver will his, come. His exact quote was, "Pay the price." If you pay the price, now people he, will he come. could, yes. he, he could, he could. He, he, afterwards, you might construe that he was meant pay the price on the pitch, the players, or is it pay the price on the roster, on this in salaries? So it, 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 we don't know how, how he meant it because he didn't. Nobody asked a follow up question with that, but. That definitely something that they can look into. It's it's like field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. Which if we got a waterfront stadium, I'm pretty sure I would. But it's like if you pay them, 
they will come. No, that can be it, this is new, not that can replace our all our honor. This is not rocket science, right? Like the better you are willing to can pay. I just the, say just as well because I'm not sure that who's running the club just now <laughs> would be good at getting a rocket off the ground. That's true. No, but seriously, uh, the what you pay will determine who you can bring yeah. in, right? And they are not willing to pay enough to bring in uh, top quality players. Yeah. And, and, and this it's is... Like I can't afford decent co-hosts, so I'm stuck with you two. <laughs> exactly. You know? That's how it goes. Wait. Does Steve... Okay, I get paid a jam. <laughs> well, Steve's meant to keep his money quiet. Yeah, so that's right. He's my DP. Yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but no... I. I, we also know that this is not like a foolproof, right? You can bring your your LA Galaxy. You can bring in a Steven Gerrard, and it doesn't work out, right? This is not. Yeah. It's not a, yeah, a not, sure it's thing. Not it's not a sure thing like anything in life. Because as as I've talked, you could put a, a big name player into this team right now, and I don't know how no. effective he would yeah. be. But it's clear from what this is season nine, right? It's clear from nine years that their approach is not working. Their approach yeah. is not good enough. And it shouldn't take a sample size of nine years to understand exactly. that. That's like, why now? Why the wait? But it's okay, because the search is going to be global. <laughs> it was indicated that it's probably going to be a known name, someone with Champions League experience. That could possibly be the Cypriot champions for all we know. Or it's, who knows? Maybe Maltese champions. But for me, that only means Jose Mourinho's coming at Vancouver. It's confirmed. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned. I don't think he has any experience as a sporting director, though. No, but he's Champions League experience. Portuguese, so that ties in with all the, uh, the Marta Santa stuff. I think you're yeah, overshooting that, it. Oh. Yeah. Uh, that's, Shut that's, up, Michael. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'd be so there, good. There was, there he'd was, be my new co-host. There was a radio host on, on that was asking about Carlo Ancelotti coming here. Oh, yeah, ties to Vancouver. Was, yeah, his girlfriend. Of course, he's coaching I, Napoli, so I, I don't think he's going to yeah, give up that. Yeah, well, I don't think he's giving up that to come to Vancouver. Oh, I don't know. We have the big bucks out now. <laughs> give him a few Jappa dogs, he'll be over here. He looks the kind of person that would like a Jappa dog. Oh, have you... Oh. Oh, he loves food. Yeah, you yeah. Got, you got to read his his. Uh, well, I've read one of his autobiographies a couple years ago, uh, or biographies or whatever. No, it was autobiography. It was it was very intriguing reading. Mallet said, "We want someone who is a student of the game who wants to write new rules." So fits in with MLS, yeah. MLS head <laughs> office. I'm thinking there. We want someone who flips it upside down, uses analytics, possibly a wrestler flipping over the table. I don't know. We have a pretty good idea of what we're looking for. In all seriousness now, because Mallet also talked about wanting to build on club connections and he mentioned Bayern, said club connections like Bayern. Could we be looking at someone that's been in the Bayern system? I hope not. I don't, really? I don't want, I I don't want Bayern any more connected to the Whitecaps oh. in any way, shape, I, I, For me, that was just like, oh, yeah, no, Bayern, Champions League Bayern has Europe. Bayern has a relationship with Dallas, like a... FC Dallas, they have. No, a, you don't have to have a relationship. No. You have connections. That's different. That's different from a relationship. Right. Plus, if we you're don't poaching know. someone for a job. Yeah. Like, What's the guy? The guy. Yeah. The guy who was there with Klinsman. So uh, I was going to ask the Mexican American internet uh, guy, Vasquez. He. That's the only Bayern connection yeah. to North America that I can think of. That it was kind of indicated. It's going to be someone that doesn't have MLS experience, which is why they would keep Greg Anderson around. Because I I know before you go on the whole Brexit contract thing. Anytime Steve and me have asked Greg Anderson a question about MLS rules, he knows them inside and out. And he does have knowledge of 
the minefield that is MLS. So it makes a lot of sense to have someone like that working with them. But this sporting director has to have the overall control. Todd Donovan was a name that was put out there, which seemed a little bit strange considering what Jeff Mallett had said, but also would be make a lot of sense. But it's not a sexy signing that... But the, thing like, is, but the thing is, they, they, they say global, and they could easily say, oh, we looked around the world and we found somebody in the MLS yeah. backyard. He's not That's in MLS what, right now, but... Well, what I'm saying is like... Todd, within North America. I Todd Donovan, I saw him, I think, score for TFC in a friendly against Aston Villa at BMO Field in, like, 2007. Yeah, I mean... Maybe it's somebody with a, in, in the LAFC front office that is looking for, yeah. like, a... a, a Michael, you know, I think you have more football connections than Todd Donovan does around the world. I'm happy to do the job. I'll set up a, a loan deal with East Fife. We'll get players back and forth. You'll get some of our, our top guys coming over. Can you wear this? The office day... <laughs> <laughs> I hope, hopefully, hopefully there's not any dress code put in for me, but we'll, we'll see. The, what do you exact? what role specifically do you think this sporting director is going to do? What do you th- see him coming into this club and doing? Is it just overseeing the signings? Is he going to be more hands-on? Is it going to step a little bit on MDS's toes? Or? No, he's going to have to be in in line with MDS. And also be able to let this uh, oversee what the scouts are doing, what they're looking at, do maybe some where they suggest a player, maybe go there and actually see the player for himself, and then basically decide on what what fits what MDS wants on the field. They're going to be working together, not working like one in, more in charge than the other. I know you're saying this sporting director has more of the final say on the signings, but I think MDS is going to have a lot of input in what they yeah. want as well. So, so the history of this is right. Like you look at like countries like Germany, for example, where you have the coach and then you have like the sporting director, technical director, who in some places sits on the bench with the team during games. Right? Then you have the English model, which is the opposite. It's the manager. He's in charge. He makes the signings. He does all that. Well, in Vancouver, you what, what's happened in the MLS era is you had Bobby as the president, who's kind of supposed to be involved. You had, uh, what do you call him, Hot Dog? Tommy? Tommy's Tommy. Um, you had him as the technical lecturer who did do a bunch of the signing stuff. But then they, when they got rid of him, they brought in Rennie. Whether they intended to or not, it, it became the English model. It became because Bobby and Greg don't have connections around the world or not solid ones from what I've been told. And so Rennie and, and his crew did all the work of bringing the people in. When Robbo took over, he knew what Rennie did and knew what he would have to do. They had no scouting department. They had none of that. So it was all up to Robbo to do the same thing, to be that like English manager, mm. to oversee all that, to do all of that work. Greg would look at things and sign things, whatever, whatever you know, would play a smaller role. But Robbo was the one, and that's why you had him bring in people to help, people like uh, David Baldwin. Yeah. John Park. John Park. This is why those people came in. Because the club wasn't willing to have pay those people themselves as their own. They were brought in as consultants because the president and the VP of soccer ops were not those people who could play those roles. So it was more of an English model. Yeah. You well, had DeSantis. Think of the com- hockey model with GMs and stuff as well. Right. They get a bit lost as to how all this is. Right. So then you had DeSantis come in and say, look, there's nothing here scouting wise. Yeah. There's nothing here. I, I need to do all this stuff, which I think Mark DeSantis could do, but for the betterment of himself, for the betterment of the football club, for the betterment of a scouting department, he has said, we need a technical director or a sporting yeah. director. We need it, our own paid-by-us scouting department, and this needs to happen. 
And I don't, I think at first they were like, oh, no, we're not going to do that. And now they're in such a bad place where they're finally saying, okay, yeah, we need to do that. So I think this person will be over this, be over, work hand in hand with Mark DeSantos, although we'll be his boss, I would imagine. Uh, will work hand in hand with whoever these scout people are that they ideally hire or that they're about to hire. Or well, whatever. he should be overseeing them. He yes. should be working in hand to hand, but overseeing them totally. and directing them. What so then, when DeSantos wants a wants a position, he'll work with the sporting director as opposed to doing most of the work himself, or work yeah. with the sporting director and the head of scouting. He wants. So he's yes. going to say, "This is what I want. You guys need to scout it. Feedback to the sporting director. Yeah. He'll chat with me about it. We'll see if this is the way we want to go forward, and then they'll take it." And so Greg will say, hey, in MLS, this is how you can do it. Bobby will, I don't know, like you said, work in the community and connect with people uh, and, and, and hang out. And then they'll all answer to the owners. It, it's going to be interesting if they yeah. publicly clarify like they did when they fired Rennie about how things actually work uh, in this new oh, yeah. setup. The other thing that will be interesting is what this what, what is the power of this sporting director or technical yes. director? Because can they come in and say – yeah, we don't need a club liaison. Can they come in and say, uh, some of these people who work here who are relatives or whatever shouldn't be here. You, they need to go. Uh, how much control will they actually have? And if they don't have that control, how likely are they to stick around? Yes. Because if they are good people, they're going to be in demand for jobs. For example, like Paul Barber. Paul, yes. ba- Paul Barber came in, and I know he was no friend of supporters. I know he was not good for supporters. But when Paul Barber came in, they they did everything they could to cut him off at the knees. And so he just said, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I'm just going to walk away. I can be a part of far more meaningful things elsewhere where For I don't sure. have to deal with any of this. Yeah. I don't have to deal with backstabbing and people after me or people undermining me or people not working for me and with me. And so he, he just walked away. And so I think if they don't, if this person doesn't have the, the right amount of control and right amount of power, the same thing will happen. You'll see a person here for one or two years. So, a lot coming out of it. There's, there's a lot more we can delve into, and we'll, we'll speak to MDS about it in the, the coming weeks and things as well. I think we'll just call it a day there just now. We'll, if anyone wants to raise any other points, let us know. We can maybe talk about it next week or the week after that. But we've got a lot more to get through tonight. We're already kind of overrunning from the first two parts. So we're back in part three with another hot topic uh, that's in MLS just now, the upcoming CBA renewal and uh, the Players' Union. So we'll be back with that after this. Hello, I'm Nick Datsovich. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. No one knows what it's like to be the bad man, to be the sad man behind Song I love, done. 
in a different style. Tell us what that yeah, was. Yeah, that was uh, Behind uh, Blue Eyes, yes. uh, originally by The Who, but this is a version from the show Legion, which I'm finally catching up on. Is Fantastic Wait, Is that a DC show? It's a... Uh, it's a a Marvel show, but it's uh, done by Fox. So, oh, right. Okay. So I guess is it, it is filmed here. Are they going to be at the, the White Caps no, Legend and Celebrity? Be. I don't. No, it's not filmed here for sure. No, it's, but it's a, it's, I'm finally I caught up to end of season two, which ended awesome. Where are you watching it? What are you watching it on? Uh, FX. It's a television channel. Mm-hmm. We don't get it in Canada, do we? Yeah, yeah we do. We do. Oh. And we get FX two or plus FX or something. FXX mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's season two, uh, season three is going it's well. Like but Legion of like one. demons. There's, or only, there's only going to be three. Uh, Legion is uh, Charles Xavier's son. Oh, so it's really good. Hmm. Well, if it's got good music like that, I'm all for that. I got to check. It oh, out. the soundtrack is fantastic. You really, like Steve. It. I played. Uh, I played uh, Legendary Guardians of the Galaxy today. You know how you were worried about the shards of the Infinity Gems or Infinity Stones? Yeah, it's it's so good. Oh, it's good. It's so we beat Thanos today. Good for you. It was amazing. Well, you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. So yeah, behind blue eyes there by the the cast of Legion. The cast of the Whitecaps looks like it'll be changing next year. And from what we heard there, it's set to be yet another off-season or change for the Whitecaps. This time, all we can hope for is that it's going to be a successful one. It does actually lay some foundations for change in the club and it sets the Whitecaps on a different road than than they're currently on, both on and off the pitch. But it's also going to be a big off-season of change throughout MLS. We we know that. It could be a historic one as well. But We're going to have two new clubs coming into the league in 2020, Miami and Nashville. There's undoubtedly going to be an influx of, of new talent and some big names coming into the league. Maybe some of them here. So that's 300 million or... Four hundred million in in uh, between three and four, four in expansion yeah. fees, yeah. yeah. Unless Miami, right. Miami's got, got a, a, they got a more of a sweetheart deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they get so the twenty five like million, yeah. right? Yeah, so, so it's not. It's, so it might be only not like be as much, but Nashville definitely one seventy five to yeah. two hundred. Then okay, so and so Vancouver will get like a good ten million plus from that. Yeah, and yeah. all the clubs well, and MLS as well, who are always pleading poverty, right, are going to get influx of money. Then you've got Austin coming in in twenty twenty one, more influx of money. They're going to have 30 teams in the end. It looks like St. Louis the end. is going That's to, not the end. Well, maybe. St. Louis is going to get announced by the looks of it next week. We'll talk about that in, in BC's Soccer Web headlines. So, yeah, a lot of things happening there. But for me, one of the most eagerly awaited aspects of the off-season is going to be how the league and the players address the expiring collective bargaining agreement and how they go about setting the new one, which is going to be for the next five years. Because the current CBA expires on January 31st, 2020. The last one was ratified to begin February 2015. The CBA, it runs for five years at a time. Now, in any organisation, in any business, five years can be a long time. But in the world of MLS, five years, it's a hell of a lot of changes. Massive. Massive. And you just have to even look at the fact that the current MLS champions are Atlanta United, who didn't even exist five years ago. And this year's champions, LAFC, didn't exist. Didn't exist five years. <laughs> <laughs> no, they did. They were, they were Chivas then, weren't they? <laughs> I don't know. Kind of. Or were they in the hiatus years, maybe? Yeah. Who knows? Were they not always in the hiatus years? I'm not sure. The last CBA negotiations were, were certainly tense. MLS, as I said, pleaded poverty despite taking in multi-millions in expansion fees, TV deals, sponsorship, advertising. Five years ago, a strike did seem a very real prospect. 
with big things five years ago for the players being mainly free agency, that seemed to be the big stumbling block. In the end, the two sides agreed to what I still personally feel was a very poor free agency deal. Especially yeah. especially the free agency deal because it basically meant that I think it was a certain amount and you could actually lose money by becoming yeah, a free agent, essentially. Few, yeah. And you saw with Kai Kamara, he was yeah. better off not, not being a free agent a free, yeah. and signing a, a two-year deal with Colorado. I, I feel the union caved in a little bit in their other demands and like salary minimum and salary cap and just so that they could secure this free agency. And you also have to wonder, there was a lot of the senior players that were driving the union at that time. So I'm not saying they were just looking out for themselves, but yeah. there's going to have been probably a little bit of an element of that. They did get a slight increase in the league minimum, but ultimately it was a poor deal all round, I think, for the, for the players. And they can't make that mistake this time around. No. Five years later, the players are being far more vocal, I feel, ahead of the negotiations. They're certainly speaking out a lot more. The word strike has been mentioned a lot in, in recent weeks and months from players themselves. Yeah. A- MLSPA chief Bob Foose has talked about it. And they've said that they save up your money because yeah. there could be a strike coming up. There's a number of issues on the table, many of them returning from five years ago. Big talking points seem to be increasing the overall salary cap, compensating and valuing domestic players better, and of course, charter flights and travel. The Whitecats player rep is Zach McMath, and Zach was a rep at Philadelphia before... No, sorry, Zach was a rep at Colorado before coming here to the Whitecaps. It's a role he enjoys. He feels it's rewarding. And I I got a chance to to chat with him this week just about what it involves and what some of the discussions have been like and what the future path kind of looks like. So let's just hear what Zach had to say before we talk any more on that. So I just want to have a little chat with you just about the MLS Players Union and stuff like that. So what got you involved in, in being a rep in the first place? What what made you decide that you wanted to be the guy that took things on for, for the team in Colorado and then here in Vancouver? Uh, it was actually last time around uh, that our collective bargaining agreement was coming up, and uh, so it was 2015. Um, I wasn't as heavily involved, but very interested in, in the what was going on uh, from the league and the players' association, and uh, as you know, last time it came down to the, to the wire again, and I was curious about the process. So I got a bit more involved over the years, and I'm ha- happy to you know help represent the players and make sure they're getting their, their fair piece. So what is involved in it? What, is there a lot that you do over the season? Do you go to regular meetings or conference calls and stuff like that? Uh, we have one annual meeting uh, at the end of the season in Las Vegas, and we have monthly, sometimes weekly conference calls with uh, the whole player pool or uh, a specific player pool. Um, we kind of group our, our teams into categories and obviously we've got Montreal, uh, Toronto, Vancouver and Colorado are our four teams that we speak with most um, about our issues within the team and CBA issues. So it's nice to get on the on the phone with those guys quite frequently and speak to them about the, the issues that we're uh, about to face coming up. A lot of folk, especially in North America, maybe don't appreciate the, the value of unions. From a, a player's perspective, especially domestic players, it does seem that domestic players in MLS get a little bit of short shrift. It, 
Is, is that an important thing the union is looking to address with the CBA that's coming up to try and get better representation for the, the domestic and homegrown guys? Um, I, I don't want to comment so much on you know what exactly we are looking for in that aspect, but um, I think there is, you can see there's a, a bit of a decline in the domestic players, and and you know we've seen a huge rise in the homegrown players, which has been great. But just trying to go to the game for you know every category of player. Now, a lot of talk heading into this CBA is that there's going to be lots of stuff coming up to do with travel. Obviously, it's a big, big issue. Charter, exactly. And, I mean, every single team seems to be having issues this year, more than ever. And, obviously, from Colorado, that was a hub, so you maybe didn't have as much issues. But coming to a team like Vancouver, has that been one of the big talking points with players this year? Yeah, I think coming to Vancouver where, I don't know, I want to put a percentage, maybe 80% of our flights are, are connecting flights, has opened my eyes to the, to the issues that some teams deal with. Um, in the Pacific Northwest or, you know, whether it be Cincinnati, Columbus, Kansas City, uh, the smaller hub teams that uh, have to deal with connecting flights and the impact it has on the players and ultimately the performance on the, on the field. Um, so I think, you know, it does matter a lot to players here um, and as a whole it matters to the players' union uh, together. Now, I know you don't want to speak for, for all the players, but for you personally... I spoke to Mark about this a couple of weeks ago as well, and he said for him that the league needs to look at fixtures, but you're not going back and forward, and you're not you're maybe playing. It's like a good example was Houston this this past week. They played on Thursday, and then they played on Sunday, but those games were New York and Philly, so it was pretty close. Mm-hmm. Is that something that needs to get looked at the schedule and just to make sure that you guys are not travelling back and forward so much? Yeah, absolutely. We've had, uh, I think... A midweek at home and then traveled to Orlando to play on a Saturday and then we had a home game here and then a Wednesday game uh, in New England so we've had that issue a couple of times and it really it takes a lot out of you so I think that's something that the league should, definitely should look at for certain teams that are, are dealing with those issues unfortunately the schedule is you know very complex and very hard to put together but I hope in the future uh, teams like Vancouver can can benefit a bit more from the schedule. And but with charters, there's been talk the the union or the league might look at, at giving teams more, but it doesn't really matter if the teams are getting more if they're not using them. Should it be something that if it's over a certain number of thousand miles or kilometers that it's mandated that teams have to do that? Yeah, I, I would I would hope that would be the easy answer. But obviously, the more miles you travel on a plane, the more expensive it is. Um, yeah. So that creates an issue and. Ultimately, it comes down to, to money and, and where the league wants to spend it. And hopefully, in the future, the Players Association and the league can come together to just make travel easier, whether that be more charters, um, less con- connecting flights, um, the schedule, because it really is impacting the, the performance on the field. And hopefully, we can continue to grow the, per- the performance and make the games more competitive through these issues. The whole issues with the players' salaries getting released, it was something that I actually spoke to Mark about last week where he said sometimes when that comes out, players see what other players are getting and sometimes it can cause a little bit of problems in the locker room. Is that something over year years that, that you've kind of come across? Or is, is that something the union's happy for that to be out there? Yeah, there well, is a lot of disparity. There is a, a lot of disparity, and that's why we want you guys to see that. Um, you know, the difference between... You know the highest DPs and the 
senior minimum uh, is astronomical and, and we yeah. want to close that gap as much as possible and by allowing you know our fans and everyone that supports us to see those that we'd hope that it that it helps us in our negotiation and you know I've been in locker rooms where you know a guy that's playing 30 games a year making the minimum sees a guy on the bench making a lot more than him and uh, it, it usually doesn't linger but it it raises questions, and, and usually that falls on the committee members to you know step up and, and try to fight for these things. So the CBA is up at the end of January, so obviously there's going to be some uncertainty going into pre-season this year. What is in, what's the next stage of this from the union's point of view? What's going to happen in the off-season, November and December, to, to get ready for this next sort of bargaining committee? Well, we've been getting ready uh, since the last CBA uh, even started, you know, telling guys to save money, to prepare for anything, whether that be a strike or or a new deal, Um, you know, making sure that guys, you know, are not making big purchases with their their money in the next couple months so that if we do end up having the strike that we can do it uh, in solidarity and and fight through it. Um, So we're just, you know, gathering all our issues, putting it together, um, and hopefully we'll negotiate with the league and come to an agreement that everyone's happy with. Just very last thing, for, for you personally, what is the one thing in MLS that you would like to change? Oh, so many things, but... Um, you can make, name more than one. Yeah. <laughs> I've um, got a big list. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh, obviously, we've done very well on the free agency front, and I think that's benefiting plenty of players. Um, for me... You know, obviously, making this the salary cap bigger, broader, not just in terms of, of dollars, but also in terms of how it can be spent. Uh, taking away, you know, all the pots of money that they use to put on players, yeah. uh, to give it more free reign for the the owners and the GMs to spend as they like. I think would uh, benefit and hold everyone more accountable. Quick follow-up from then from that. Can you see a team like the Galaxy? who seem to always find legal ways to manipulate things, like they've just added Pavel on, on a free loan. As a player on other teams, so that just make you pull your hair out and go, how, how, did they, how are they able to do this? I mean, it's been happening for since the league started, yeah. really, um, you know, with certain teams uh, finding ways to get through it. And, you know, power to them. Yeah. They're playing within the rules. But I would, you know, I would like to see everyone on a, a level playing field so that, you know, what really matters is the, the 11 guys on the field. That was great. Thank you so much yep. for your time appreciate today. It. I really Thank appreciate you. that. Thanks, Zach. Interesting stuff there from Zach McMath. I, I'm fascinated by the union stuff. Full disclosure... Over in Scotland, I was a union rep for 15 years. My last year working in Scotland, I actually worked for a union. So I'm very big on, on union side of things. I always I always thought you like Philadelphia for some reason. It just it fascinates me. And the, the, the players' union has, is something that's always fascinated me as well. So getting a little bit of an insight there. But The funny thing with me is like, whenever I've been part of a union... Uh, the, it hasn't been a great experience for me because I had good like the pay was horrible. My best job I've ever had has been non-union, like uh, even benefits, better benefits with the non-union oh, wow. job. It was the, amazing. The only union I can ever remember working in was my first like job that wasn't like newspapers or working for my parents or whatever. Uh, I worked uh, at a Miracle Mart uh, in the fish department. 
does the fish oh. have oh, and uh, Did you just have loaves and turn them into fishes? Is yeah. that why it was called the Miracle Place? Well, no, there was loaves and fishes in that story, oh. but that's different. Um, Is that talking there about players needing to be careful with money and yes. stuff like that? Strikes are, are, are definitely getting mentioned more. I mean... Would you be surprised if they went on a strike no. or are you fully expecting a strike? I, I, well, we've been saying for a few years now that when this ends, it's it's hard not to see a strike coming without major concessions from the, the league slash owners, whatever. And I, no, I, no, 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 <laughs> no. Mention of strike. <laughs> I will take care of everything. I am little Don Garber. And I will make sure there is no strike at all. This is, <laughs> this is one of those times, Steve. I'm glad we don't have video. <laughs> well, it actually would be better if we had it. It would be helpful. For, it, for the people yeah. listening, I have no I, idea what's going on. We brought our special guest. He hoped to be here last week, but he wasn't able to make it because Zach wasn't here. But, yeah, Little Don Garber well has joined us. We'll yeah, take a picture and we'll, we'll tweet out who Little Don Garber is. Little Don Garber has the answer for everything. Yes, I have the answer for everything. So what, what, no, Don, Don, no. <laughs> He's a bad boy sometimes, as little Don Garber. No, that's handball. Hmm. Anyway, there does seem to be a push from the players to totally revamp the pace system in the league, not just around raising the minimum. Tam, Gam, etc. are things that are said to be in the players' sights. Get I, rid of them. Yeah, I just want to mention both strike. They need to really push because they have MLS by the balls. Um, essentially because they, they, they have two new teams coming and MLS can't afford to have two teams coming in on a strike, like with Ooh, a strike. Yeah, so that's going to yeah. mess up. So you, they, they, yeah, have, they have a bit of bargaining. They yeah. have a bit of bargaining power. So they need to, they need to take advantage of this, that two new teams coming. What, would you want to strike with two new teams coming? That, that's the way you I, want to I bring I believe though as well, like the league is starting even earlier next year. Than yeah. the first week of March, I think it could be possibly starting at the end of February. So yeah. this deal runs out at the end of January because they have so... more South teams to play. The yeah. game. <laughs> so again, more... I think I think there's a lot of power with the players yeah. this and I this time. I hundred percent agree with you with about the Tam and Graham and like they need to like make it easier to follow. Yeah, it's it's not that hard. There's a lot of teams that have no salary caps in North America. This. No, but there's a lot of teams that have South uh, salary caps and they make it very easy. So somebody gets paid something, it has to fit under a certain amount. Basically, if you raise the cap, it, it solves a lot of these problems. Oh, and yeah. it, it stops clubs like LA manipulating it by yeah. doing whatever they need to do to get guys that are DPs and on time contracts and on free loans and crap like and, that. And they not only need to increase the salary, they need to input a salary floor. So you don't have teams that are not spending enough. And uh, they're able to, if you want to have parity in the league... Make it parity in the league. Of course, charters is the the big, big issue with so many clubs having issues this season, more than I've seen in the last couple of years. And players complaining, clubs complaining. Zach mentioned there 80% of Caps flights were not direct. It's actually, the club kind of indicated to me it's about 35%, so it's not as high as 80. Feels like 80, obviously, when you're hanging around the airport and having delays and stuff. And we've talked about this before, that... It has to be mandated, as I said to Zach there, because otherwise yeah. clubs like the Caps just oh, won't yeah. use them. They don't. The, the, they don't use the four they've got just now. The White Caps have never paid for a charter in MLS that I'm aware of, other uh, other than when they've made the playoffs. Yeah, the Dallas so, playoff game, and no, and Portland away too. 
Um, other than that, they themselves have never paid for a charter flight during during the league, uh, and they're they've been they've had a limit of like I think it's like four, roughly, and so yeah, you're right. Having them in there as these are how many you can use is different from saying you have to use X number. Yeah, and we touched on it in the first part. DC had a twelve hour journey home today. Lots of folk are speaking up about this. It was good to have a big yeah. name guy like Rooney mentioning it in all seriousness because it gets a bit more attention. Didn't Bedoya talk about it when he's yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, he was very vocal about it as well. We had some of the audio on the show. But Ben Olsen as well chipped into the whole charts debate after yesterday's game. So let's hear what he had to say there. To, to go back to the travel for just a second, I know it's a subject that has come up around the league all year with the charters. And, and yeah. Was this one of them for you guys? Yeah, we didn't charter, no, but it, it's time. It's, it's, it's time. It's time to do charters. It's time to think more about the, the travel side. There's no excuse about You know, today we're fine. Guys were healthy and, you know, uh, energy wasn't an issue out there for us. You could still do it. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the, the issue. And I think the, the powers that be and are, are, are thinking about that and, and understanding how to make this this big, big country of ours a little bit smaller. So Ben Olsen there, just talking about his belief as well that something needs to get done with, with charters. And Former player. We're going to talk a little bit about the players' unions uh, supporting the supporters and stuff in the NBC Soccer Web headlines, but is there anything else that you'd like to see the players fighting to get? Do you, do you see this coming to a satisfactory conclusion for them? They, 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 they always have some give and take when bar, uh, negotiating. So they're gonna, they're not gonna get everything, but they need to go in strong so they get as much as they can from what they want. It was good to hear McMath say that they told them five years ago, "You need to start saving money now for when the next one comes." Yeah. Because here, how many players listen to that? Though? No, I know. Because here's the thing: <laughs> a lot of what they are fighting for is for those players who don't make a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. But those are the very people who are le- more likely than not to have to vote against a strike because they can't afford it, yeah, right? That's the thing. It needs everyone on board with this. Yeah. And it does look a lot more now that a lot of the foreign players are starting to understand it and they're on board and they're having representation as, as part of the union players' reps and stuff as well. So that's always good to see. This is something that's going to roll on and on and on over the, the coming weeks and months. And... We've got a few more folk we want to speak to about this over the, the coming months as well. Keep an eye on it. Who knows when MLS season's going to kick off next year. But we will be back talking about a season that is over, the 1979 NASL Soccer Bowl winning season, after this. Hi, I'm Carl Valentine. You're listening to the AFTN Podcast.
Whoa, the jam there with when you're young. Do you remember when you were young, Zach? Yep, thumbs up. Steve remembers when he was young. Yes, I do. Yeah. Goes to shacks. That may or may not make sense <laughs> to people, depending on how the edit goes, but yes. Like milkshake shacks and stuff like that. But that was the jam from What's 19... What's that? I never heard of that. It, you get... You get a kind of like it's, it must be a Scottish thing. It's a creamy. It must thing. be a Scottish thing. Yeah. yeah. No, we don't get that in North America. Sometimes the decor is a bit surprising in them, but but anyway, that was the jam there. But that was from 1979. The song was released on August 17th. Entered the charts a couple of days later. Zach's completely gone now. And you know what that means? Well, maybe you don't. We're back to our 1979 review because this week saw a new number one in the UK, Cliff Richards' We Don't Talk Anymore, with the best disco album in the world remaining at number one in the album charts. In Canada, Donna Summer's Bad Girls was set to have its second week at number one after being at number one in the US for ages. You guys were always a few weeks behind the US for some reason with your number one singles. And then Supertramp, you seem to love that. Returned to the number one slot for the fourth time. Five times it got to number one in 1979. But it knocked off Cheap Trick, who, funnily enough, are playing at the PE tonight. Were they doing 70s night, I guess? I don't know. I, I know the name Cheap Trick, but I couldn't probably tell you any of their songs. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe I know them. I just don't know it's by Cheap Trick. In the USA, in the USA it was a double for The Knack. Number one in the album charts with Get The Knack. And in the singles chart with the classic... Ma 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 Sharona. Love that. Talking of classics, there were some classic movies out this week. Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now came out on August 15th. Starring Marlon Brando. Yeah, a film regularly in the top films. Of the all-time lists. I don't think he did that in that movie. I think he did that in Godfather. <laughs> he did. But I just wanted to do my Marlon Brando impersonation. I could have been a contender. I could have been a contender. That's, that's the voice I was trying to get. I was practicing this earlier with my wife. And she said I sounded like the creepy guy from Nosferatu. That's what I was thinking. Would you like to come to Christmas land, child? Anyway, I'll just take this out of my mouth. Yeah, go for it. Also, uh, Star Wars. Something else got he said a, in Shacks. Star Wars got a, a re-release today. <laughs> it did. One of its many re-releases. How many did it get? How many re-releases? I don't know. I took a girl to in the nineties that I liked, Tracy Black. Oh, actually, I. You I liked her too. No, <laughs> she got a bite. That explains a lot. No, I went to one of the re-releases in the nineties, but I thought you meant like. Because it was 79, so it was yeah. the original Star Wars. It was only two, days, two years later. Yeah. In yeah. the 90s, it was the, like 91, 92, I think, got re-released, right? It was the 25th anniversary, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, something like that. So it was 91. or 92, yeah. I, can't I didn't remember what think you. this through of what I'm going to do with Soggy Paper Towel now for the rest of this segment. I think you just hmm. toss it over your shoulder. Okay. Teddy Dunfield. <laughs> two days after the re-release of Star Wars and Apocalypse Now came another classic, and I, I don't know if Zach's ever seen this, I because have. it is deemed as blasphemous. Yeah. Monty Python's Life of Brian. Yeah, no, I haven't. He's seen. not the Messiah! He's a very naughty boy! That's not bad. That's pretty this, close, This actually. is like a night of impressions. That, that's actually Man of a hundred voices, none of them who they're meant to be like, but... Yeah. <laughs> 
Always look on the bright yeah, I've heard of that. side of life. So he's saying Jesus wasn't the Messiah? Is that what? It's always blasphemous. Well, he was mistaken as No, Brian was mistaken Brian, for Jesus or something like that. Yeah, folk used to follow yeah. him about because they thought he was the Messiah. Oh. And then his mum was like, he's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Okay. But they, were talk- they were talking about Brian, not yeah. Jesus. And oh, it yeah. is a bit of a pastiche of religions and, and stuff like that. But that song, Always Looking the Bright Side of Life, we sang that at East Fife. Because yeah. our version Every- is, you all live on the shite side of Fife. Do-do, 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 do-do. Which side is that? Any side that's not oh. Fife. We are a kingdom. We're surrounded by water on three sides. Oh. Getting back to North America yes, side. getting back to North America. And football, I guess we should really get to. That is why we're talking about this. In the crazy world of the NESL, it was the last week of the regular season 40 years ago this week. The Whitecaps had three games in eight days, starting with a 2-1 win in Seattle on August 11th. Then a 3-2 win in Dallas four days later, in front of only 8,819 fans. So nothing's changed in Dallas. They just can't attract fans anymore. Par for the course. Then, the 1979 NASL regular season wrapped up at Empire Stadium today, 40 years ago, in front of a bumper crowd of 30,328. 2-1 win over Dallas. John Craven making the news rounds with a brace. And that saw the... He was a nightmare to cover, John Craven. He was. That saw the Caps end the season with four straight wins, eight wins from the last nine games. Could we see the same this year, getting the playoffs? Maybe not. It did set them up nicely, though, for what was to be, obviously, very historic playoffs indeed, and a run to the 1979 Super Bowl. And that was 1979. Just to reiterate to Gideon, the song did not come out <laughs> in 1975. Came in 95. Released in 95. He only missed it by 16 years. Yeah. Great song. So, there might not be playoffs for the Caps this year. I'm still keeping that little bone of optimism. No silverware either. They lost their chance at the Voyagers Cup, of course, by losing to Cavalry. Unfortunately, the Calgarians couldn't pull off another shock midweek and knock out Montreal. And we've got a disappointing impact TFC final again. Who do you want to win that? I don't know. I'm not, probably not going to see it. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, I won't see it. That's a good thing. Most folk won't see it. <laughs> don't spoil it for me. <laughs> one soccer, baby. It's like one of those, it feels like a meteor game, you know? Talking of one soccer, I went onto YouTube just to watch some quick highlights of the, the games this weekend because I hadn't had time to watch the full games. So it's, it's got their views of all their videos on their site. Very high. One had 37. One had 80-something. My VMSL games are getting like six and 700. I need to obviously charge 79.99 for my VMSL coverage. Better commentary too. And no Kurt Larson. So win, 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 <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Why? You can't say his name. Oh, sorry. I'll get a puppet of him made next this week. Oh, that would be yeah. better. There was, of course, a big game in the CPL on Friday. Top of the table clash, the Alberta Derby, Al Classico, which is a name I've grown to like. I thought it was ridiculous at first, but I quite like it now. No, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. But it was a pretty crappy game. It was yeah. nil-nil, really. A couple of chances, disallowed goal. I think it was a post involved as well. Pacific FC, though, oh. got a 2-0 win at York. In York. So, in yeah, York, so much yeah. fun. 
and Zach and me heading over next week for the big game. Speaking Spe- of Zach, yeah, I'm speaking to Fisky on oh. Friday as well at training. Did you? So it was we'll Zach. Zach got Zach the second got goal. His first CPL goal. It was the second one of the game. Yep. And <laughs> Zach Verhoeven, we're talking yeah, about not Meisenheimer. Em- empty net. Yeah, and half. The, the, the keeper was way out there. Which second is, game in a what, row. Ringham's. Yes. Yeah, but the, uh, that's not the worst thing. The worst thing is the defender that was close to Zach. Oh. Didn't even try to rush at him or anything. Yeah. Just stood there oh, looking at him. He's going to score in the CPL from here. Yeah, oh. it's, it's like he, talk about like uh, everybody talks about the Whitecaps like sitting back on defense. This guy was sitting back with an empty net to, to defend. Yeah, I would look forward to catching up with a few of the guys yes. next week as well. And of course, Valor, Bo- yeah, Boosty's coming at time, so man. I'm sure we'll be speaking to him. You as can't well. say Boosty now because there's the, oh, because the there, there is actually yeah, Boosty. Yeah, yeah. Bustos. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be good to see him play again. No word yet on any new CPL teams definitely confirmed for next year. Saskatchewan, though, is certainly doing a good push for things. Yep. And we'll look at everything that happened with their SK Selects and stuff in BC Soccer Web headlines. But they've played two matches, the SK Selects, they've got good crowds. When you think of Saskatchewan soccer, what name springs to mind? Brett Levi's. Brett Levi's. And our man Gideon Hill got a chance to catch up with Brett at training this week to ask him about the Whitecaps season, but also about those rumours about a CPL team coming to Saskatchewan. All right, Brett, let's uh, talk about the season for you guys. A, a difficult one, but for you, you made some appearances, you come off the bench, you've made some starts. How have you felt the season's gone for you personally? Not bad. Um, obviously, uh, personally, I would like the team to do better as a whole, right, uh, at the end of the day. Uh, the better the team does, I think the better uh, each individual player looks. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Um, obviously, I'm happy to get more minutes in the last few games, and I hope to continue to get more minutes and then try and make an impact whether I start or come off the bench. But I think at the end of the day, we got to just continue to, to, to grow as a team, um, You know, get as many wins as we can until the end of the year. And, and who knows? You never know with the MLS. Any team can make playoffs at any point. So. Let's talk about Portland. How difficult was it to make the adjustment to come in off the bench for Ali? Maybe not the way you wanted to come into the game at that point, but came on, you made an impact, and how do you feel you did in that game on Saturday in, t- in a t- very tough environment? Yeah, I think it was uh, pretty good. Obviously, it's it's tough for Ali to go down with an injury, and it's tough, especially for a, a defender to come in and do a game like that. But uh, I played in Portland last year when we won. It's, it's a very cool environment. Yes, it's a tough environment, but I think the team worked, worked hard. I think I um, played pretty well, and... Uh, obviously, it would have been better to get a result, but um, we, we fought to the to the very end, so that, that's what this team is made of, and we, we could have given up, uh, especially um, after the month of July that we had, but we didn't, so. Can you talk about coming on as a defender, but you seem to get forward quite a bit. Do you have a preference of, of what you play, or has Mark kind of just been using you on as like a utility guy, and again, you've been able to get forward, so what do you what do you like, and can you just talk about that adjustment you've had to make to play defender and uh, left winger as well? Uh, it's actually been pretty pretty fluid. Um, I was a, more of a left winger number 10 growing up my whole life so for, for about 15 years. So it was actually more of a transition playing left back. But I, I feel pretty comfortable in both positions. I've always been a more attacking player. So even when I am playing left back, I think I can offer lock going forward. Uh, so yeah, the transition's been pretty fluid. But it's, it's nice to see that the coach uh, trusts me in both positions. Transition away from them last. Have you been uh, able to keep an eye on the CPL a little bit with watching it? Uh, yeah, I've been able to catch a few games, especially obviously the ones that we've played as well. And I, um, it's very exciting for me. And, and I know that there's a, the Saskatoon uh, soccer series, and they're, they're yep. trying to get a pro team there. They just beat TFC 2 
Um, I think it was 2-0, and uh, it's exciting to see the, the city rally around it, and the, the soccer community there is amazing, so I, I would be so happy to see a pro team uh, eventually end up there. Just going to ask that, yeah, so what would the reception be like if there was to be a pro team in Saskatchewan? Do you see time frame for that, or if there was to be one, how big of a crowd would it draw? I think that I'm not sure exactly on the time frame, but it would draw a crowd. Um, we in Saskatoon and in Saskatchewan as a whole, we, we love to rally around our teams. Whether it's uh, the, the Rough Riders CFL, we have a lacrosse team, we have a WHL team there, and um, people love an event and, and something to do there. So uh, I think that we'd get, if I were to guess, I would say over maybe around 5,000, and I think we can make it happen. So it's very exciting. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. Brett Levi's there talking about all things Saskatchewan soccer. Hopefully we see Brett get a bit more games under his belt towards the end of this season. I mean, check there during that. Forge FC are now top of the CPL after a 3-1 win over Valor. So as things are currently stand, and there's still a long way to go, it's still shaping up to be a Cavalry Forge final. But I'd, I would like to see an all Alberta final for selfish reasons, just because I can probably get over to, to both legs. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But anyway, we will be back with the final part of this week's show after this. Hi, I'm Mark Anthony Kay and you're listening to the AFTN radio show. That's meant to be. I, again, that was turning into the creepy guy from Nosferatu, I think. But yes, we're back. 101.9 FM, CITR Radio, University of BC, Part 5. Tell us who that was, Steve. Uh, uh, I think it was, uh, where was it from? I can't remember. The, uh, uh, somewhere in Ontario, and it was, uh, the group's called Birthday Massacre. The song called Red Stars. Belgrade. Yeah, is this here, Red Star Belgrade? Huh? Red Star Belgrade. Yeah, with the guy who did, uh, who moved us, we had some movers. He he's from Belgrade. He's a Red Star supporter. And oh, that's why I played it. Yeah, and he and he, when he came, they came to pick up our stuff. And he's like, "Where do I know you from?" I was like, "Oh no, what, my what, complex what? manager's a Red Star Belgrade supporter." So, so then he's just like, "I know you from somewhere." And I was like, "I didn't want to be like, oh, do you go to football or whatever?" So I didn't say anything. You might have seen me on the radio. <laughs> so then whatever. So then like later he comes back and he's like, he's like. The Canada game. He's like, you were at the Canada game. You were, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, why were you there? He's like, to support Milan, uh, Milan Borian. He's our keeper at Red Star. And blah, blah, blah. Oh, and he, yeah. Yeah, we came, we brought him a flag, a scarf, whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah. 
He was a very nice guy. Bo- uh, Boris? Was it Boris? He was great. He was a great guy. Hopefully he doesn't listen. No, he's Hopefully not. He listen. He's not listening. Oh. Why would he not want to be told he's a nice guy? Do you know who's <laughs> he not forgot nice his guys? name, that's why. Yeah, who's not a nice guy? Rangers. They beat his five today. Not unexpected. In the cup? Yeah. League Cup. Considering they've been putting five and six goals past SPL teams, we only got beat 3-0. Jermaine Defoe, bloody big deal, scored the opening goal. Must have been a lifelong dream for him to to play at Bayview. (laughs) Poor Scotty Arfield must have been absolutely gutted. He was rested for this one and didn't get to be in the hallowed turf of Bayview. Uh You'll have to talk to him about that when he comes. Yeah, I will. I'll ask him how gutted he was at missing that. Yeah. But that leads us to this week's Wavelength. Because I thought, I've had this song up my sleeve for a little while. It's a song about Glasgow Rangers or their supporters. This is Dedicated Follower of Rangers. His teeth are green, his head is square, with a big moustache and curly hair. One day he's on Paisley Road, the next day he's in jail. He's a dedicated follower of Rangers. He hates the Thames, he loves the Queen, a naked bird he's never seen. He holidays in Airdrie and his breath would make you scream He's a dedicated follower of Rangers He likes to sing He likes to sing Hello, hello Hello, hello He likes to drink He likes to drink El Dorado El Dorado There's one thing that he hates and that is cleanliness Thinks that Derek Johnston is a handsome, witty man. He's a dedicated follower of Rangers. Again, he's on remand But he knows a real good lawyer from his local marching band He's a dedicated follower of Rangers He bangs the drum, he bangs the drum In Motherwell, in Motherwell He bears the bum, he bears the bum Outside Chapel, outside Chapel He never smiles, he's permanently raging He'd probably be a champ if being a funny was a sport. He's a dedicated follower of Rangers. King Jad there with dedicated follower of Rangers. And we know what good sense of humour Rangers fans have, so none of them will be offended with that. Anyway, now it's time... For BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com. 
your one-stop site for local, national and international news, reviews, links and a lot more. Make it part of your daily routine, morning, noon and night. Check out bcsoccerweb.com What you been reading in the shack this week, Steve? Uh, a few <laughs> things here and there. Um, so we were talking about the Saskatchewan before, Saskatoon in particular, um, and they feel that they're ready for pro soccer. Uh, they defeated, us too. They defeated TFC 2 0. Um, g- a great result for them. They had previously lost, I think, to Vancouver. I don't know who On penalties, sir. Yeah, but who's the second team they played? Impact? Oh, the fir- no, the first no, team no. was. No, the second game they played. Whitecaps, the Whitecaps was the second game. Oh, who was the first one then? I can't remember that. Was it Edmonton, possibly? I don't know. Who cares? Okay, so yeah, they lost. Uh, they beat uh, TFC 2 0 to. Now they did. They mentioned that they're getting good attendance, but they never mentioned the number. So I, I wasn't sure, and I, I, thought saw, I, I saw over three thousand. Yeah, that so could yeah. be it. So that for very little time to prep, that's a pretty decent number for yeah. them. So it's good to know there. Um, we were talking about this one earlier too. The MLS Players Union supporting Whitecaps fans and other fans' right to protest. Uh, a couple of quotes from them. The MLSPA supports the efforts of its fan supporters, the groups to overturn MLS's overly vague ban on political speech at MLS games. As countless athletes have shown in the past several years, we all have a voice and we should be empowered to use it to support inclusiveness and oppose those who attempt to silence opinion. Our supporters groups are the backbone of our league and have our full support. So, I mean, this is this. It's hard not to see this as a little bit cynical from from the the players' union because they're trying to garner favor with the supporters, which is which is fine, uh, or just showing humanity, r- right? But y- yes, okay, sure. Uh, M- MLS is hypocritical. Yeah. When it comes to this, they are hypocritical. They say no political speech, and then they host military evenings. <laughs> He's putting on his Garber puppet. <laughs> We are not a hypocritical. Yeah, we are transparent. Yes. Um, so it's it's very very hypocritical of them to do that. Um, you can understand why they why as business owners they they want to stay away from different th- things that yeah. they, like they want to they want they want to they want everyone's business. You can understand that uh, whether you agree with that or whatever. Um, the thing with the thing with free speech, which sometimes I think we forget is that if you believe in free speech, that means you have to allow people who have views that you abhor that you think are, uh, ignorance or backwards or you are against your worldview. You have to allow that. That is exactly my, so that, that's like, so that's, that's part of the, unless it's hate speech, you can't really, uh, free speech doesn't mean you can allow somebody to hate on other people. No, but see, it's, it's so difficult because... There, there is a definite line. Like, you can't... There is a line in free speech hate, where... Yeah, but you, hate speech is illegal. So something that isn't deemed illegal... Like, a lot of folk would say stuff that, say, Trump says is hate speech, but it's not illegal hate speech. It's it's such a minefield of stuff. Yeah. yeah. That, so I'm I'm not trying to, I'm not I, I'd I'm not really taking like a side a, in yeah. anything. I'm just saying that that is one of the things you yeah. you have to be aware. I'd like us to sit oh. down and do this as an extra podcast where we've got more time just to kind of debate yeah. this because I I thought of putting it on the thing last week, then you weren't here, and then we moved on. I retweeted one of the ECS guys got kicked out of their game yesterday because he yeah. had a scarf that said anti-racism, yeah. anti-fascism, 
uh, uh, or Seattle. Yeah, 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 yeah. For Seattle. And he was told that, no, we can't allow that because it has to be a safe environment for both sides. Yeah, and he's saying, okay. well, I'm against racism and again, I'm against fascism. We're, but you're saying both sides need to feel comfortable here. So you're saying it's okay yeah. to be fascist and racist then. I, I don't know. That apparently and MLS is an MLS is, official. Is, and MLS is anti, uh, anti-racism, obviously. Therefore, inclusiveness. Yeah. yeah. But th- this is the thing, and we won't get into it too much because obviously we're coming to the end of the show. We will talk about this in a separate podcast. But you could argue... What is and what isn't political? Is pride political? Is it's demonstrations a, of military stuff political? Again, a lot of people with pride, they say, look, this is uh, common sense. This is what everyone should be yeah. allowed. But there is an element to it. I've heard other people argue this recently. There is elements to it of that this is identity politics. Yeah. I, well, I'm, well, I'm not, no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not saying. I don't think pride is political, I should state as well. Because it's people's human rights to be who they are. Likewise, to say I'm against racism, it's standing up for basically to- everyone totally. should have as, as I, a philosophy I, in a way of life. I agree that it's a, hu- a human rights thing as well. But it, it's hard. Or sorry, I, I think those who would say there is a political element to it are not off off base. And yeah. I, I, that's not saying you, you know it should happen or shouldn't happen. But when MLS has things like that, and me, for me, more so the military night, yeah. and then says, but there can be no political elements in the stands, it's it's very hypocritical. Uh, next story here. I know we didn't delve into MLS this week that much, so let's talk about uh, Wilmer Cabrera being uh, dismissed as the Dynamo head coach. I completely missed this until yeah. you sent the headlines out. Yeah. I, oh, really? Yeah, it was I in never the, saw this It was at in, all. in the midst of their four-game uh, losing streak, a four-match losing streak, and Davey Arnault will be replacing him. He was an assistant there, and he's be reta- replacing him for the interim. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah I, it, it's hard not to feel bad for him a little bit. Because it's a similar kind of approach as Vancouver, where they they don't back the team with enough yeah. on spending They're on the squad. They're kind of the reverse Vancouver, though, in that they've got a good attack and a crap defense. Sure. We've yeah. got a good defense, but a pretty crap attack. Yeah. Um, Didn't they just bring in, they just, at the deadline, this this I missed. Yeah. They brought in, what's his name from uh, the Goats? Uh, guy who was at Minnesota, Ramirez, Christian Ramirez. Ramirez? No, yeah. Ramirez or yeah. Arthur. Well, yeah, you might yeah. be right. Yeah, I can't and remember. so they've added him as like a fourth prong yeah. to their yeah. yeah or fifth prong. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, we don't know. Did Romeo Cueto get suspended for multiple games, or is that still not up in the air? Because oh, yeah. he's the one that did the elbow to him. Yeah, that's well, they usually let him serve the one game suspension, then they add oh, more games yes. afterwards. Right, so yeah, we'll find out this week, I guess. Um. Talking about uh, fines and suspensions, Man City gets a minor fine for breaking the underage transfer rules. They avoided a transfer ban that Chelsea got. Farcical. Uh, um, yeah. By admitting. So it's essentially yeah. they admitted to the breach and they didn't fight FIFA for it. So that's, that's what they Chelsea got. fought? Is that Chelsea the fought it multiple times. They, they appealed oh, it. Then they, went to the, then they went to the court of, uh, court of arbitration of sport. They went to them too. So that's why they, I guess they got the big one. Um, this does still, Man City still has that other financial fair play that was uh, kind of yeah. leaked out, uh, football leaks. So they're still fighting that one, I guess. Um, talked about it earlier, this one. Uh, St. Louis uh, has been, by sources, confirmed to be the next MLS team. It was um, the St. Louis Dispatch that first reported it and confirmed by ESPN. They will most likely play in 2022. Yeah, are, so you gonna, are you going to go to the, talk about the... The, Seattle. The no, it's coming up. It's okay. coming up. Yeah. 
Um, in other expansion news, uh, NISA, or else uh, the National Independent Soccer Association. I also uh, think that's like a supermarket chain in yeah. the UK. Uh, they have announced uh, three new teams. One will play starting in the fall of 2019, Oakland, Roots SC, and Detroit uh, City FC and Chattanooga FC woo-hoo! will start in twenty the spring of 2020 because they play a spring season and a fall, uh, a, no, a fall season and a spring season. I'm not sure which one starts the season. I don't know how it actually works there, but they're up to eight teams right now. They'll be adding, get up to 10 teams by... Uh, the spring, and we'll see where they go past that. A little bit, another story from Pacific. Uh, you talked about this that they had a um, uh, uh, kind of a, a town hall meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Rob for Friend, season ticket holders. Yeah, for Rob Friend, um, I think the coach was there, a couple other people. Josh, I think. Was um, the, the, he, Rob Friend was talking about how he understands everybody's frustrated. He's frustrated. They wanted to win every game, but they they felt like it would take time. They They basically. They want to win everything, but they they pointed that the, the you know the 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 semifinal between you know Cavalry and Montreal is a where they want to be at, like where they where eventually, but they want to be have a long term vision to build that three to five year plan, um, and they want to be selling players to Europe, contending in the Canadian Championship, and going far in Concacaf. And if he's, he basically said, if he wanted to win, yeah. he would have signed thirty year old players, but they wanted to take it. A, 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 you know, a step-by-step year. And they, he told he told the uh, people there that they they feel that they're at 20% right now. And they want to just keep building. And they, well, so they, much of it's been the injuries. Yeah. A lot of, well, all the 30-year-olds, it seems like yeah. they got injured. So that would help, didn't help at all. Yeah. I mean, I, it's been unbelievable. They're injured. They've never really had a chance to get going. Yeah. They've started to get the guys back now. And then you see what they can do to now win at York. <clears throat> they, yeah, they have a, they, they have a plan. Uh, they've been, uh, I would say very forthcoming with that plan, and this just kind of re- reiterates it. And that's been one of the nice things I think for for people in BC who've been following them, and uh, whether you're on the island and you're going to games or not, like their ownership has been front and center, mm. and uh, they've been there in the the ups and downs of it all. And you even know what they look like. Yeah, and they. Uh, there's vision there. I think whether whether or not you it's what you want, but there's clear vision for what the club is trying to do. And there's at least the thing is there's they can they can appoint to some areas of success. Like whenever I connect with them, they're always just like, yeah, the results are not what we want, but look at how these players player this group of players are developing. Look at how look at the opportunities that these young Canadians have had to to play in meaningful competitive matches. And they, they I think they hit the I think it was a thousand minutes that yeah. there was yeah. the three, camera, I think it was three and a half games. Three and a half games yeah. they yeah. hit that. Taron Campbell is the leading scorer in CPL. Yeah. Uh that Where is he that, still? I, he, I well, he became it yesterday. Right. I don't know who was behind I don't think him. who scored for Force today. Because no. it was Borges that was behind no, him. No, he didn't so, score today. Yeah. So getting out of their ownership, uh, we were talking, you, you uh, touched on it just earlier. Uh, Sounders um, have bought out uh, Joe Roth, uh, his stake in the team. They've, essentially, the current owners bought some of it up, and then they also introduced 11 new families uh, that have become owners. Uh, some of the recognizable names, Seahawks uh, quarterback Russell Wilson and his wife, uh, Shara, who is a, a Grammy Award-winning singer. 
Also, hip-hop star Macklemore and his wife are some of the investors that are known. Steve, you mispronounced it there. It's uh, Sierra? It's, no, Flounders. Oh, gotcha. Oh, so who are the recognizable names? <laughs> well, not to you because they're, they're not part of the Scottish rap scene. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have heard of Russell Wilson. I have shouted abuse at him. It's probably safe to say. Yeah. And I have heard of Macklemore. Yeah. I have no idea. He's a proponent of Shaq. their wives are. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> oh my God. Um, last b- couple stories. Uh, U.S. lines up bid for 2020, 2027 Women's World Cup, according to U.S. President uh, Carlos Cordero, U.S. soccer president, <laughs> I should say. Um, they're going to face a competition from apparently the Netherlands, Chile, um, and a reported combined a pan-Scandinavian bid consisting of Denmark, the Faroe Islands, Finland, Iceland, Norway, and Sweden. That's a lot of countries. That's a lot of travel. Holy shit. Well, they keep groups in one each country, maybe. Something yeah, like that. but I mean, Iceland's a long way away from the Faroe. That's, so that's, autom- that's a lot of automatic bids. May as well have Shetland in there as well. <laughs> um, last bid story. Uh, we'll see if uh, the team will be able to play in 2027 because they're... Uh, mediation talks have broken down between the U.S. soccer uh, women's team and U.S. soccer. Uh, essentially, the, the the mediation is broken down. It looks like it's going to go to the courts. There's a lot of, like, back of it. Like, it, the Sports Illustrated uh, article that came out, uh, I think it was the weekend edition. Of, it's, got, it's got a good read because it talks about how there are some instances where uh, they are paying the women more, yeah. but there's, there's, if they, like, for example, if they go on a massive losing streak, uh, both teams or one of the, if the men go on, sorry, if men go on a massive losing streak, their bonuses are equal to what the women salary is or something like that. If, if the women keep winning. So it's, there's a weird bonus structure thing, but the, they're the, the salaries are way more for the women. So it's, it's kind of. It's, it's going to take a lot of forensic accounting in order to figure out what's it, going on. It's with interesting it. that this broke down. What I've heard a little bit about this is that basically the U the information that the US, USSF put out um, or US soccer put out was basically saying um, things are fair and here's here's why. Um, but they there's more that they could say that would be very damaging for the for the for the women and so it was kind of like going into this mediation my understanding is there was an opportunity for the the women to maybe settle knowing that publicly there's more stuff that could come out that could damage their reputation in the public eye or and, like like make it look like that they are getting paid fine yeah same. yeah and, and, the, and, the and only- so and so that I, I think there was hopes that this would solve things it's interesting to hear that it hasn't. Yeah. The, big, the biggest issue for me is that the it all depends on what the court, if they does go to court, what they decide on what's fair. Because as we know, the payout and the revenue that comes in for men's uh, World Cup, uh, like FIFA World Cup, that's where the U.S. soccer gets majority of their money from. So the, the payout from that is way more for the men because the uh, sponsorship, attendance, TV rights are way more than what the women's are. The women's have hit uh, all-time high in this past World Cup, but they're still not close to what the uh, the men get. So that's going to be the big the yeah. stumbling bulk, I, block, I think, for them. For me, it's ridiculous. They shouldn't get paid the same. It, there's no way it should be equal pay. You look at what they produce, you look at all the sponsorship, everything like that, 
and this is all going to come out now. So yeah, which yeah, it should be. I'm okay with it being equal in terms of like yeah, the revenue that the program brings in is. Oh yeah, if it's percentage based yeah, on that, then yeah, yeah. Then maybe they'll find by the end of this they're going to get a pay cut. If, they, if, if it, that's what they're pushing for. Yeah. Well, because they, they also mentioned, uh, I didn't realize this, that the, the subsidize, uh, I knew Canada subsidized some of the salaries mm-hmm. for the women that play from, the Canadian women that yeah. play in the NWSL. But so, yeah, that was I part didn't, of. I didn't know it was yes, the, the, the U.S. soccer pays for yes, some of the. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't e- know that. E- each confederation has like 15 or 16 spots that they pay for. Yeah. In Mexico, it used to be Mexico too, but I think they're out of that now. Yeah. But I think that's one of the elements that um, the players were saying was not fair. Because, uh, again, with men, their club wages are so much different than the women's club but wages. But that's because their their league takes know, way more revenue. Yeah, because so. people actually want to watch it in numbers, whereas the demand for women's soccer is not at the same level. It, it is not uh, after in, this in World States, Cup. It, it is. After the World Cup, it has hit there now. It's growing. But you still look at a team that got lots of publicity, like England in this World Cup, and you look at the club attendances, and it hasn't had that. That big an impact, but they're they're getting paid decently though yeah. over there. It's, a lot of this is going to be based as well on the likes of women tennis players argued that they should get paid the same at men as say Wimbledon and stuff like that, which is still pissing me off because they play the best of three sets and the men play best of five. Why should that be equal pay but, but when they're playing less? That's not the point though. But that one I can understand that because they are getting uh, the same attendance as the men. They get. Uh, the ratings are very similar usually for the the women and the men. So it's, yeah, I watch a lot of men's tennis. So it, it is very it's very similar there. It's it's an apples and oranges thing that comparing the two. Anyway, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this this plays out. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. For me, it's at Zachary Am on Twitter, and I'm part of the Move Curver Collective. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Instagram AFT and Soccer. Find us on YouTube as well at AFT in Canada. Leave us a review on YouTube. And as all the kids say these days, like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm not done with the kids. Maybe I need to get a shack. But until next week, thanks for listening. Take care and more on the shacks. <laughs>